Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we look at the latest in the ongoing saga of Jey Uso. What is going to main event WrestleMania this year? And what should have main evented WrestleMania in years past? This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh man, it doesn't seem, it doesn't really feel like it's as close as it actually is on the precipice of WrestleMania. I guess next week already is going to be the big WrestleMania preview show. Yes, because next week will be WrestleMania week. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, episode 349. Overjoyed to be here with you today. And we've got a lot to discuss in this wacky and wild world of professional wrestling. Don't forget, if you haven't already gotten your tickets, if you're going to be in Los Angeles for WrestleMania week, make sure that you're there on Wednesday, March 29th. The Comedy Store, world-famous venue, in Los Angeles, California, for Not Sam Mania, the greatest extravaganza in the history of podcasts. You can be there by getting tickets at NotSamLive.com. Uh, Medusa already announced as a guest who will be in the house. She'll be signing books as well if you want to get a book from her, if you want to get it signed. It'll all be happening. I can't believe it. It's all happening, and uh, we'll have a lot of, of guests to announce in the coming days for that show. So make sure you're staying posted to my social media. Make sure that you're uh, on my email list, which you can get to uh, if you go to my link tree, linktree.e slash not Sam. <laughs> you know what a link tree is. Uh, but whatever, just get tickets and you won't miss out on any of the guests, right? NotSamLive.com for tickets to the event. And as we start the show, I ask you this. So what do you want to talk about? That is growing on me. The way Cody, like that, the fact that that's now the thing, not that Co Cody did it in AEW. He's done it multiple times here in WWE, but the fact that that's now the thing, never let it go away. So what do you want to talk about is maybe the best way to start a promo since what's the haps. It is contagious. Can, I can't wait until the Monday after WrestleMania. That's when it's, re oh, it's going to hit hard. Cody's going to be sitting in the ring on Monday Night Raw while well, standing. He's going to have two championship titles on each shoulder, wearing one of those beautiful suits, his Rolex peeking out of his left sleeve, microphone in his right hand, and he's going to ask, so what do you want to talk about? As we all look on, knowing that the story has been finished and wondering, what's next for that story? Ah! I can't, well, before we get chills, before we get ourselves all excited about what that moment will be like, let's talk about the moment that we had. Let's talk about SmackDown on Friday. First of all, the ramp up, the story ramp up on multiple fronts as we get to WrestleMania has been especially good this year, whether it's uh, what's going on with uh, Ray and Dom and the way that is intertwined with what's going on with Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, just everywhere. And we'll get to we'll get to a lot of the stories, right? But let's get into the fact that it's time we just said it. Jay Uso needs to be nominated for an Emmy Award. If Jay Uso cannot get an award for performance on a television program, then the entire Emmy Awards is a farce. This guy, what this guy did on Friday Night SmackDown, the, the level that he took it to, where he was explaining everything. It's been weeks since we got a real explanation. And when I say weeks, I mean months. It's been since the Royal Rumble. He's got that same look on his face that he had on SmackDown all the way back in January. When Sami Zayn first let the bloodline know that he's not down for some day one-ish, okay? I think that's how you say it. That same look showed up on SmackDown where he let us know. And if you remember when that first happened, 
I did the podcast where I looked at it from everyone's perspective, and this was the Jay Uso perspective. That Jay Uso was the one who had to be convinced that Sammy was worth it. Jay Uso was the one that kept warning the bloodline, don't let this guy in. Don't let this guy in. I don't trust this guy. Jimmy was saying, oh, come on, Jay. Come on, Jay. He's cool. Don't worry about Sammy, Jay. Come on, Jay. He's one of us. Roman was saying, I don't know, Jay. He seems like a good dude. Paul Heyman was saying, yes, my tribal chief. A good dude, my tribal chief. And Solo Sokoa was saying absolutely nothing because his arms were folded. But the point is that he was the one trying to warn the bloodline of this outsider trying to penetrate the force that the family had built so well. And it was Survivor Series when Jey Uso was finally convinced that Sami Zayn was a part of the family. And Jey Uso embraced him. And he embraced him to the extent that after Survivor Series, a month later, six weeks later, when the other members of the bloodline, when Roman Reigns starts to question Sami Zayn, it's Jey Uso that has been so turned around that he goes, no, 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 no. Sammy's cool. Sammy's one of us. And from Sammy's perspective, sure, he took out Roman Reigns because he recognized the abuse that was going on, the mental abuse, the gaslighting that was happening, the torture, the mental torture, the Stockholm syndrome that Roman Reigns was inflicting the rest of his family with. He recognized that. But that's because he's an outsider. It's easy for somebody outside the family to see your family's issues. But when you're inside the family, it's a different thing. Sometimes it's so painful to recognize your own family's issues that you'd rather take out the outsider. And so when Sami Zayn was the one who rubbed Jey Uso's face in it, it was like waking a, a sleepwalker. They say you never wake a sleepwalker. And that's what Sami Zayn did. He's pointing out the obvious on a big sign to Jey Uso, but he's waking this sleepwalker. It's a dangerous thing to do. They're not ready to embrace reality. They're not ready to see things for what they truly are. And that's what you've got with Jay now. Jay comes to the ring on SmackDown and he lets Sammy know that what Sammy did was not just turn on the bloodline, but Sammy humiliated Jay. It's way worse. It's one thing if you trick the whole bloodline. It's one thing if the whole bloodline from the get-go goes like, oh, he's a good guy, and then he turns out to not be a real ooze. And then everybody goes like, okay, let's get him. But when you're that last guy, when you're the guy who was like, no, 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 family's best interest, family's at best interest, it was almost like once he was okay with Jay, we can all celebrate now. Well, Jay's accepted him, so obviously he's cool, right? Now, Jay feels the biggest fool of all because the things that Jay saw were real. Now, the things that Sammy saw were real too, but Jay saw a guy who was not blindly loyal to the family. No matter what he said, he's not blindly loyal. And when Sami Zayn had taken enough abuse, it turned out he wasn't blindly loyal. Jay was right. And Sammy has now made him question everything. It's almost like because of the, the journey that Jay has been on, the abuse that was done to him, has been done to him, continues to be done to him by Roman Reigns, the, the the penalty for that abuse gets transplanted onto Sami Zayn, where now all that trauma that Jay has suffered as a character, through Jay's eyes, he's going to take it out on Sami. Jay isn't mad at Sami. Jay's mad at Roman. But Jay can't be mad at Roman. He's in too deep. He doesn't know what life is like without Roman. He doesn't know how to exist in his family without acknowledging the head of the table. So what does he do? He sees what Sami Zayn did as a betrayal and he takes that trauma out on Sami Zayn. And that all comes 
to, to be seen by us on Friday night when he's talking to Sammy. And there is this thing in the back of his eyes where he knows what Sammy is saying is true. He knows the things that Sammy is saying about Roman Reigns is not false, but he simply can't hear it. So all he can do is attack Sami Zayn. What we saw from Jay, the, the, the words that came out of Jay Uso's mouth on SmackDown were not about what's been happening the last couple of weeks. We're not about a response to the Royal Rumble. We're not about what happened at Survivor Series and how it relates. Jay's promo was a culmination of what was started two years ago. Jay's promo has just as much to do with this year's Royal Rumble as it did with, with coming off of SummerSlam when Roman Reigns first returned. What was that, 2021? 2020, 2020, 2021, whenever it was. When Roman Reigns first returned and then a week later won the Universal Championship in a triple threat from The Fiend and Braun Strowman and then immediately, while Jimmy was out with an injury, turned to Jay and said, you follow me. And Jay didn't like it. There's this great promo. I was going through some old videos and stuff and WWE put out an amazing playlist video. It's like a two and a half hour video chronicling the last two years of the bloodline. But he goes, uh, he goes, uh, Roman, everybody sees you. They see you. They see you. They go, oh, there goes the big dog. There goes the champion. There goes the head of the table. When they see me, you know what they say? Which one are you? course he's never been that main event jay uso he's never been that single star which uso brother are you it all comes down to that and that's what we saw on smackdown it's this one through line that you can trace back to over two years ago when this whole thing started and Sami Zayn's presence and Sami Zayn's actions have dug up all that trauma that Jay had locked up tight. And that's what we're seeing now spill out of Jay Uso. Jay was so masterful with his promo on SmackDown that you could use it as an instructional of how to simply dissipate the what chant. The what chat is 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 a is a is a bane to the existence of every true wrestling fan. The fact that Jay Uso is finally pouring his heart out, and the fans in whatever town they were in, Kansas City or something, start chanting, "What is a disgrace?" If you were in the audience of SmackDown and you were chanting "What" during Jay Uso's promo, you are a disgrace. If I ran the company you would be banned from ever buying a ticket to a WWE event ever again. That's everybody in that building that said the word what during that promo. Say what again. But Jay, just marksman that he is, goes in that ring and he starts listing stuff and he starts getting the what chant. He doesn't look at the audience. He doesn't acknowledge the audience because this is too personal. He's not going to let the audience steal that moment from him. And it's like, why would you? This is what we've been waiting for as fans. Why are you trying to take this moment for yourselves? You nincompoops. But Jay won't. Jay's too solid of a performer to allow that to happen. So you know what he does? He hears the what chant and he starts listing things and allowing the audience to do the what chant. Da 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 What? Da 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 da. What? Da 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 da. What? He's going syllabically along with that what chant. And then when it's time to wrap the list up, he hits the second to last and the last one after the other. So the the whole rhythm of the chant has been disrupted. The idiots in the audience try to do a what they really can't because they don't know where to fit it in. And now we're back to listening 
to Storytelling 101 under the learning tree of Jey Uso. It was great. It was great. It was all you can ask for. And it was so great that in the beginning of the night, we had Cody Rhodes trying to bring Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn together. Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens being packaged as the superhero team that maybe with their powers combined, they can megazord the bloodline out of existence. That's their goal at WrestleMania. And the fans were chanting, hug it out to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and, and Kevin wanted nothing to do with it. And we get to the place where finally we're at the end of the show and Jey Uso's heard enough and he attacks Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn starts attacking him and Sami Zayn's getting the better of him, but here comes Jimmy. And now Sami Zayn is on the receiving end of a beat down from the Usos. Here comes Kevin Owens. He saves Sami Zayn. And where once he would have walked out of the ring, he ends SmackDown by embracing, physically embracing the man who has been such a part of his career, Sami Zayn. He hugs Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn hugs him back and the reaction, the reaction that the audience had to it incredible it's like you this is this is when wrestling is great you knew it was going to happen you knew this entire story is only being built to lead to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos of course we all had uh, you know our, our 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 ideas of what else could happen maybe Jay will Jimmy Jay will turn on Jimmy maybe Sami Zayn and Jay will team up Maybe it'll be Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Maybe it'll be this. Maybe it'll be that. But we all knew. We don't think of other things to do, but we all knew. Especially once we realized we're going to WrestleMania with Roman versus Cody. That's it. Once that, we all knew that we're going with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. But even though we knew it was an, an inevitability, even though we knew it was going to come at some point. And we know that WrestleMania is only two weeks away, so it's got to come. Even though all that's true, when the moment happened, everybody forgot all about that. No matter how smart you are as a wrestling fan, no matter how many newsletters you read or write, no matter how many podcasts you listen to or host, when that moment happened that we all knew was going to happen, we were all that crowd, that crowd that I just banned from the building for saying what? They, you know, they, they, they got a lot better because they all lost their minds and started going nuts when that hug happened. And you're like, those are the moments. It doesn't matter if, if, if we know it's coming. It doesn't matter if it's predictable because it's what we want. And now we head to WrestleMania, presumably with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. To me, in terms of the whole bloodline picture, part one of a two-part plan, where part two is Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. So the question is, does this main event WrestleMania, night one? I think that you don't have to be a gambling man to know that it's safe money to say that Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes is going to main event night two of WrestleMania. So what main events night one of WrestleMania? Well, it's time to speculate wildly because rumors began to spread across the internet this week that while some believe that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos would or should main event night one of WrestleMania, that there are other forces involved and Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte will be the main event of night one of WrestleMania. Now, of course, with a two-night WrestleMania, you can experiment with the main event of night one. Ultimately, the main event of a two-night WrestleMania is the main event of the second night. Ultimately, the main event of, of last year's WrestleMania was Roman versus Brock. The main event of WrestleMania 36 
was the triple threat. The main event of WrestleMania 35, or I might, no, sorry, 37, was the triple threat. The main event of WrestleMania 36 was Drew versus Brock. But still, main event of night one matters. Um, I'm not of the opinion that there has to be, at this point, a women's main event and a men's main event. I, I don't, you know, I and I think most people aren't there anymore. I think that the leaps and bounds that have been made in the women's division and the WWE specifically speaks for itself. Um, for me, all it takes is to look at SmackDown and realize, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos should be the main event of night one of WrestleMania 39. I mean, there's no other option. I mean, I, you know, this isn't about Charlotte and Rhea. This isn't about Seth and Logan Paul or, or, or any other match, the Intercontinental Triple Threat. There, there's a ton of high-profile matches announced already for WrestleMania. None of them have more authority to be in that main event spot. None of them, I think, mean more to the audience as a story than Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. If anything, we should acknowledge, there's that word, that the bloodline has been so strong that of course it should now be at the point where it's main eventing two nights of WrestleMania. And if this truly is the dissolution of the bloodline, which I think it very well may be, well, then it would be fitting that it happened to them both nights. Now, maybe they are going to put the tag team championship on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and so they don't want night one and night two to feel repetitive because Cody Rhodes is going to get the title on night two. Maybe that's what it is. They just don't want it to feel like the same show because the same spirit is happening twice. And that's possible, and there may be an argument for that. But just in terms of story, I don't think that it's a mystery as to, you know, what the two biggest matches story-wise are going into WrestleMania this year. Um, I, I, I think that at the end of, when we get out of WrestleMania, I think that you're going to have the bloodline dissolved. I think that you're going to have the Judgment Day as the most dominant faction in WWE. And I think that you're going to have Gunther as the person who's got this unbeatable title record for the amount of days that he's held the Intercontinental Championship with new tag team champions and a new WWE undisputed world champion. I also think that we as fans have apparently learned nothing from the night that we all stayed up, lost hours of sleep as we panicked about who was buying WWE. We are once again speculating wildly based on information that we don't even have. Nobody has said anything about any main events. It was just a report that started in speculation has caused us all to speculate. It's speculation on top of speculation on top of speculation. It's a house with no foundation and it's going to cause us all to fall in to one of those Florida swamp holes. You know, when the whole building crushes in because it was built on nothing. That's what we're doing. We're building this tower of information on a swamp that has no solid ground whatsoever. Guys, pardon the interruption, but trust me, you're going to be thanking me because I'm here to tell you about Displate. Yes, Displate. You know, the art of the future. Look around your room, huh? Wouldn't you like to add a little bit of class to it? You can do so with some high-quality metal prints. Yeah, they got licensed designs, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and so much more. You can even get your own artwork printed onto these one-of-a-kind metal posters. 
that only take 20 seconds to install. Your poster comes with a magnetic sticker, so you just pop it on the wall, and you hang your poster. There's no power tools, no wall damage. It's easy to switch out a new poster in seconds. I got a, a, a wrestling print that they did. It's like this uh, cool video game art. And like I said, it's a steel poster. You're never gonna get wrinkles. It's never gonna get ripped. I got little kids. They can knock on it all they want. They're not gonna. They're not gonna damage it. I'm not gonna have a, 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 a you know bent corners or tears in it. Anything worse than a worn poster as an adult in your house is terrible. Never have that look. It's a steel poster, so you can still have your Star Wars poster up, and people will think like, oh, what's a, what is this? An installation? You go, yeah, it's an installation. And I got the installation for like 34 percent off because if you click the link in the description. You can see some of our favorite disc plates and save up to 34%. See, you get 27% off when you buy one or two, but you get 34% off when you buy three or more. Discounts will automatically be applied to your cart when you click the link or use code NOTSAM, N-O-T-S-A-M, when you visit displate, D-I-S-P-L-A-T-E, dot com, that's displate, dot com code not sam or click the link in our show notes but again if we weren't here to wildly speculate we wouldn't be wrestling fans and it wouldn't be wrestlemania season a lot of chatter out and about about what's going to main event wrestlemania this year and what should main event wrestlemania this year both night one and night two most of the time, WWE gets it right when it comes to, to what match should main event the show. And when I say main event, I mean go on last. Far more often than not, WWE, I mean most of the time I think, it's obvious what match should go on last. Usually when there's a choice, the right choice is made. But historically... There have been some choices that I deem incorrect or that I at least deem questionable. So today, let's look at the WrestleManias that should have had a different main event. Now, when I say different main event, I don't mean a different match should have been on the show altogether. I don't mean at WrestleMania 8, we should have gotten Hogan versus Flair. I don't mean at WrestleMania 9 there should never have been a run in. I don't like I'm not rebooking that. I'm looking at the show and going, okay, this was the last match. But the third to last match is the one that should have been the main event or the opening match is the one that should have been the main event. And this way hopefully we can learn from it as we think about where we're going with this year's WrestleMania. Now when you look at WrestleMania one through seven. I don't think there's any way you can question that it, uh, what match should have been the main event. One through seven is very obvious, right? You have the Hogan and Mr. T tag match. You have Hogan and Bundy in the cage, which not the most spectacular match in the world, but it's Hogan. It's WrestleMania two. What else is going to main event? Hogan and Andre. WrestleMania four is the finals of the tournament. You're not going to start with the opening round. I mean, you're not going to end with the opening round, so obviously. WrestleMania 5 is Macho and Hogan. WrestleMania 6 is Hogan and Warrior. WrestleMania 7 is Hogan and Savage. You starting to notice a pattern here? And so you get to WrestleMania 8. WrestleMania 8, to me, is the first WrestleMania where you can question what should have main evented that show. Now, in terms of what was the best match on the show, can you imagine a world where Roddy Piper and Bret Hart main evented that show? Unrealistic? Because at that point, we're still, and it is going to happen at SummerSlam following that WrestleMania, but that was also the first SummerSlam without Hulk Hogan. I'm talking about main eventing with the Intercontinental Championship. We were almost there. But we certainly weren't even close to there. We haven't gotten there for WrestleMania even now, and we weren't near there for WrestleMania 8. So really, the only conversation to have is... Should Savage and Flair have main evented WrestleMania 8 instead of Hogan and Sid? Ultimately, 
you can't change the main event for WrestleMania 8. It wouldn't make any sense. Oh, yes, Hogan's leaving the company. Yes, this is the first WrestleMania where the world title match, if there's a world title match, is not the main event. Because, of course, WrestleMania 1, there's no world title match. But Hogan is still the biggest star by a mile. Hogan is still the draw. I think that people, anybody that thinks that a different main event should have happened in that match is probably because the fin the ending got screwed up. But we're not talking about rewriting history based on stuff that got screwed up. We're talking about going in, you should have known this. And going into WrestleMania 8, if you're not going to change any of those matches, then Hogan Sid does kind of have to be your main event. You want to use that to have one last hurrah for Hogan. You want to use that to have the return of the Ultimate Warrior. Savage is established as your champion. As much as I would have loved to see Savage win the title in the main event of the show, moving forward, it wasn't Savage becoming champion that was going to replace the void that would be left by Hulk Hogan being gone. It was the return of the Ultimate Warrior in their heads. The Ultimate Warrior isn't doing a run-in in the Savage match. He's doing a run-in in the Hogan match. And again, the way WrestleMania Six was supposed to be Hogan passing the torch to the Warrior at WrestleMania Eight. The idea is Hogan puts the Warrior's hand up. Warrior and Hogan are equivalent. Warrior goes on to be our new superhero. So, you know, unless you change it and you have Savage winning the title and then Warrior coming out and congratulating him after Warrior's made his return, but Warrior making his return, you can't follow. Nobody saw it coming. So, yeah, you got to stick with Hogan and, Sav uh, Hogan and Sid, I think, is the main event. WrestleMania 9, yeah, there's no change in that main event. You know, I mean, unless, you know, even if you're not going to do it, it's still going to be Brett and Yoko with the, in, the, in the main. So WrestleMania 10, you're not changing that main event. It ends with Brett triumphantly beating Yokozuna. There's no, not even close to another match on that card that could have main evented. Um, WrestleMania 11 is the first WrestleMania where I say the wrong match main evented. I say this going in, you should have known it. It... It didn't matter. WrestleMania 11 was Shawn Michaels winning the Royal Rumble to compete against WWE champion Diesel, his former bodyguard, in the world title match. But WrestleMania was headlined by Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor. You know, it's interesting because people still to this day, they go, well, Diesel never drew his champion. Diesel wasn't a great champion. He was this, he was that. That to me is total BS because while, yeah, they put a lot of, they put a lot of steam behind that diesel truck. First of all, I was a diesel kid. So maybe I'm a little biased, but if you really want the world to know that diesel is your guy, you put him in the main event of your WrestleMania. It's bad enough that you're in Hartford, Connecticut for WrestleMania, but put him in the main event. I understand that Lawrence Taylor did a great job with the New York Giants, and I'm in full support of Lawrence Taylor being on the show. But the fact that Lawrence Taylor is not coming back to WWE, the fact that Bam Bam Bigelow's stock is going to rise, but you don't really have big plans for Bam Bam after WrestleMania. He's going to turn babyface, but you're not going to make him a champion. You already have a babyface champion. The fact that people have already purchased the pay-per-view so it doesn't matter if they watch one minute of it or all three hours of it. It's not a ratings grab. If you're just watching, if you're just the mainstream news and all you're watching for is to report on what happens with Lawrence Taylor, put it on halfway through the show. Let all those J-Brones go to bed and headline with Sean and Diesel. That way it feels like you really have finally built Sean into this WrestleMania main event guy because he is actually main eventing. And you go off the air with Diesel holding your title. You go off the air with the confidence of saying, I believe in this new generation concept. This is the king of the new generation. Let's close on Diesel holding the title up in the air. Instead, you have Lawrence Taylor beating Bam Bam Bigelow. What does that do for anybody the next day? Nothing for nobody. WrestleMania 11 was a huge mistake. They tried to correct it. WrestleMania 12, of course, you're not going to headline with anything besides that Iron Man match. And Shawn Michaels becomes the guy and Shawn Michaels wins. 
But by the time we get to WrestleMania 13, Sean is already gone. Now, WrestleMania 13, I'm not arguing that the world title should have headlined that show. But the fact is that that, that main event had become such a mess before you walked into WrestleMania. The fact that we go from what on paper should have been Brett versus Sean in a rematch from WrestleMania 12, which would have been by far the obvious main event, then instead things have gotten so convoluted that that match becomes The Undertaker versus Sid? What? For the title, Sid won a fatal four-way at the pay-per-view before? I mean, there is no steam behind this main event at all, and The Undertaker has the title put on him because we can count on The Undertaker. <sighs> cool, right? Can you imagine if they were like, look, we need to tell people who's really dependable here. I think that at many times in the WWE, they had a kind of a stick up there, you know what, about Bret Hart. That they just didn't want to give Bret that much. Because WrestleMania 13 was the second mistaken main event. They didn't know that they would have what some can still consider the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, but they knew it was going to be great. They clearly knew they were going with Stone Cold. They knew that they were going to they were going to do a a, 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 a swap a, a heel babyface swap. So. Why not end with Brett versus Stone Cold? Now, maybe it's because you don't get a, a happy ending, right? Because Brett wins, but he goes off. But I mean, you tweak that ending just a little bit. You tweak it just a little bit. And instead, you close on WrestleMania, where maybe The Undertaker has already won the world title, and you close on WrestleMania with a frustrated Bret Hart looking back at the ring. And Stone Cold Steve Austin standing in that ring, having never quit. Technically, Brett's won. But now it's almost a flashback to three years earlier where Brett is looking at that ring with disdain the way Owen looked at the ring. And Stone Cold is standing there. And you're not fully making that swap, right? You can go on and do some Stone Cold and Undertaker matches now that Undertaker is the champion. We can rebuild, but to me... And I, this, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking because we knew how big that match would go on to be historically. But there's no way going into WrestleMania that you didn't know that that would be huge. You knew, look at, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble that year. They had to go to a Final Four because he had to cheat to win. But they knew they were going with Stone Cold. This wasn't just a mid-card match. The match was had because they knew they were going to Stone Cold. They wouldn't even give Brett the victory because they knew they were going with Stone Cold. So why not main event with this match? I think they should have. They went on a real nice streak. Three years, 14, 15, it was four years. You don't touch WrestleMania 14 through 17, right? 14 is Sean versus Austin. 15 is Austin versus Rock. 16 is a McMahon in every corner, which is not a strong main event, but there weren't a lot of strong matches on that show. Anyway, there's no match on that show that should have main evented more than the McMahon in every corner fatal four-way. And then 17 is Austin versus Rock. You're not taking that out of the main event. 18, a mistake was made. I think we all agree with this. To not main event with Hogan versus Rock was a tremendous oversight. And that, to me, is as clear as the WrestleMania 11 was. I'll hear arguments on WrestleMania 13. WrestleMania 11, it was clear. Sean and Diesel should have main evented. WrestleMania 18, it was clear. Hogan and Rock should have main evented. And I think when you hear stories of, of, of that WrestleMania, Chris Jericho says that he also knew that that match should have main evented. Of course, uh, Jericho versus Triple H main evented. And I think... I think that the reason Jericho versus Triple H main evented was because WWE wanted to portray this image of the stuff that they're doing now, their world champion now, 
is not bigger than the stuff that they did in the past or what WCW was doing. They were also on this run with Triple H coming back from the quad injury, going on to win the Royal Rumble. It was this huge story. But honestly, with the NWO coming in, by the time they got to March, I mean, in January, Triple H's return to Raw was the biggest thing in the world. But by the time that they got to March, I mean, that was the biggest moment of the thing, the return. The return and then going to the Rumble. That was the thing. You know, Jericho versus Hunter, you also knew. You knew Hunter was going to win. And it wasn't even this like triumphant moment necessarily because Jericho, God bless him, as a heel was not built to be this mountain that you couldn't climb over. Triple H was built to be the mountain that you couldn't climb over. So with all that, psychology it's hard to argue i mean and how, what did you think you're in toronto you heard how they reacted 12 years earlier when it was hogan and the warrior how you think they're gonna react when it's hogan and rock we know sometimes we got to get out of our own way sometimes even if we don't want them to think that this is more important we know this is the return of hulk hogan to wrestlemania we spent The first nine WrestleManias, nine, convincing our audience that Hulk Hogan main eventing WrestleMania is what WrestleMania is. Nine years of convincing people of that. To then turn around and say Hogan's wrestling The Rock and that's not the main event, it's going to create mass confusion. You can't have it. You shouldn't have had it course you know i think wrestlemania 19 is worth talking about wrestlemania 19 should austin and the rock have been the main event of that match i mean of of that show the only reason not to do that as the main event would be that they were both leaving right austin was leaving wrestling none of us knew that was his last match but austin was going to leave active competition and the rock was starting his hollywood career So I guess, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. Of course, we're we're met with thinking about Kurt and Brock. You always think about that messed up 450 that Brock did. So it kind of puts an asterisk on the match, which gives you revisionist history. But honestly, I mean... If you're trying to build the next big thing, then the same argument that I would have for Sean and Diesel should have main evented WrestleMania 11 would be the same argument to have Kurt and Brock main event WrestleMania 19. As much as I love Rock versus Austin 3, you do have to stick with Angle and Brock on that one. You also leave WrestleMania 20 and 21 alone, of course. WrestleMania 22. The final match was... John Cena versus Triple H. That was a mistake. I think that WWE was concerned about putting the world title on Rey Mysterio because WrestleMania 22 was that moment for Rey. It was the Rey Mysterio, after winning the Royal Rumble, would go to WrestleMania to face Kurt Angle and Randy Orton in a triple threat for the world championship. Not too dissimilar from the underdog story of WrestleMania 20's triple threat, but this one, even more of an underdog and even more emotional because of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, to me, this definitely should have main evented. I think it's it's emblematic of a lot of what was done with Ray's title run. But I think the fact that you still can't, like, Ray's title run wasn't great, but everybody remembers him winning the world title. Everybody remembers him winning the Royal Rumble. It's one of people's favorite Royal Rumble memories. And everybody remembers that he went to WrestleMania to win the championship. I think that that was Yeslemania. I think that that was Kofi-mania. I think that that was, that was Ray. There was nothing bigger at that point than Ray winning the title. And of course, they were trying to build 
John Cena by WrestleMania 22. And at 21, John Cena didn't go on last. Triple H and Batista went on last, which I would have kept, right? It was uh, Cena versus JBL was the uh, undisputed title match, WWE title match. And Triple H versus Batista was the world title match. Now, the fact that they were building Batista, the fact that we had this amazing evolution storyline that was that was coming to a head, Triple H versus Batista absolutely belongs in the main event of 21. But I don't think Triple H belongs in the main event of 22. I don't think John Cena belongs in the main event of 22. I think 22 belongs to Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle, and Randy Orton. That's the moment. That's the moment to close the show on. He's defied all the odds. It's a no-brainer to me. I, I don't even think that that one's arguable. I wouldn't accept an argument on it, quite frankly. Um, WrestleMania 23, WrestleMania 24, you leave them, I think. You know, you could have the Cena match for the main event of 24, but I think the Edge-Taker match is great. It's a world title match. I You know, I don't think that it hurts anybody to have that as your match. Uh, you know, 23, wasn't that uh, Sean versus Cena? I'm not taking that out of the main event at 23. Are you kidding me? Excuse me. Pardon my ice. So then you got WrestleMania 25, which is main evented by Randy Orton versus Triple H. The argument would be that Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker should have gone on last at WrestleMania 25. I don't buy that argument. Um, I think in hindsight, we become aware of it. Hindsight 2020, we go, yeah, of course. Looking at the show afterwards, we go, it would have been great to have that match on last. But going into the show, it wasn't the title match. It was just it was the Undertaker streak match. The Undertaker streak match was not main eventing shows. So, and it, I mean, and you're going to say, well, what about WrestleMania 24? The Undertaker streak match did there, and that's because it was the world title match. Edge versus Undertaker for the world title. So, I wouldn't put, I can't, I would put it if I could go back and, and like take, take a time machine, I'd go like, trust me guys, you're going to want a headline with Taker versus Sean. But that's only knowing what we know now. Uh, I would also leave, I mean, what a run. Basically 26 through 34, because 26 they learned from 25. And at WrestleMania 26, they headlined with Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels and you know, as you go on, 27, everybody knows, I would hope by listening to this show, my least favorite WrestleMania of all time, hated it. But what are you going to not headline with John Cena and The Miz and The Rock interfering? That's not going to happen. 28 and 29, Cena and The Rock, of course, that's the main event. 30 is the greatest moment in the history of WrestleMania. It's Yeslemania, you're going to main event with that. You know, 31, the cash-in, of course, you're going to main event with that. 32, you know... It, Roman versus Triple H, but there's nothing on 32, in my opinion, that should have main evented that show. And then the same for for 33, which is we get Roman versus Taker is the main event. I wouldn't I wouldn't take it out of the main event. 34 is the title match. You know, I'm not taking that out. So it takes us to WrestleMania 35, which that is you can talk about it, right? To me, there are three options. Of course, the main event for WrestleMania 35 ends up being Becky Lynch versus Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey with Becky coming out on top. The first female main event in the history of WrestleMania. Big deal. Should Seth and Brock have main evented? You've got a happy ending. That'll open the show. But Seth goes to WrestleMania to conquer the beast to win the championship. That's an easy, easy show closer. You've also got the the Kofi Mania, your other world championship match. Kofi Mania versus Dan, uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Kofi doing the unthinkable and actually winning the championship at WrestleMania. Now, again, this is going back to the Rey Mysterio thing. It's not shocking that they didn't main event with Kofi Mania because they were giving us the moment but Kofi wasn't going to be the guy, right? Because there's two champions. Set, they were making Seth the guy until Roman was ready to take the throne again. I would, I would consider arguing that Seth and Brock or Kofi Mania should have main evented that show 
except for the fact that not only was it the first female main event of WrestleMania, but the fact is that going into WrestleMania 35, Becky Lynch was the most over babyface in the company. Becky Lynch was the most popular good guy in the company. And regardless of what the title is, if there is a world championship match in which the top good guy in the company is going to win that title, that's a good reason to have it headline WrestleMania. That triple threat belongs in the headline of WrestleMania 35. The only other thing that I would consider changing So once you get to WrestleMania 36, 37, 38, you've got your two-night WrestleManias. WrestleMania 38, you can't touch. Last year's WrestleMania, Roman versus Brock is obviously the main event on night two. Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously the main event of night one. You could sit there and, I mean, there are some amazing matches on that show, right? You could you could talk about uh, uh, Seth versus Cody. You could talk about a lot of stuff, but there's nothing that's going to touch either of those two matches. So that you leave alone. WrestleMania 37, Sasha and Bianca, and then the triple threat on night two. Night two is obvious. Night one, the only thing you might want to consider is putting Bobby and Drew in the main event slot, but it's not going to have a happy ending. Bobby's going to retain. And also, Sasha and Bianca should have main evented that show. That was Bianca's moment. So I'm not touching that. 36, night two, Drew McIntyre beats Brock Lesnar. Of course, that's the main event of night two, no questioning. Technically, the dark main event was Drew versus the big show because pandemic wrestling was very strange. But night one, the main event was the Boneyard match. The last match on night one was AJ Styles versus The Undertaker in a Boneyard match. It was a cinematic match, and while yes... It was The Undertaker's last match. And yes, it was one of the few memorable matches of the pandemic era. Part of And yes, it was supposed to be Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. But Roman Reigns uh, tapped out because of, uh, you know, he has a compromised immune system, I believe. And Braun Strowman gets put in his place at the last minute. I still, you know, there's a big part of me that feels like if you're going to replace your main event, you need people to feel like you're replacing it with something even bigger. It's hard to imagine that with Roman. But, you know, Roman was still in that suffering succotash-ish period. And Braun wasn't that far removed from being really over when he was beating up Roman Reigns. I might be able to argue that Braun Strowman versus Goldberg should have main evented night one. Now, keep in mind, that's because I just want Braun Strowman to look strong coming off of WrestleMania. I'm not sitting here thinking that that's going to be a better match than the AJ Undertaker match, but if I want people to take my champion seriously in Braun Strowman... And he's going to hold on to that title until SummerSlam, right? Didn't he? Did he hold on? To, I think he held on to the title until SummerSlam when the Fiend beat him. I think that was SummerSlam. Could be wrong. But if he's going to hold the title for any amount of time, then don't you think that putting him in the main event of night one is at least showing the audience that you have faith in him? I don't know. That one's questionable as well. But I will say. The WrestleMania 22, WrestleMania 18, WrestleMania 13, and WrestleMania 11 unquestionably had the wrong people main eventing those shows. We'll see if it happens again this year. Maybe next year, maybe a year from now. We'll check again, and we'll go over them. If you disagree with me, you can email me, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. And on that note, let's go over some of the emails that we got to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Over the last seven days, uh, and see what you guys have been thinking. Uh, Rocky, he says, Sam, what's with WWE suddenly having a number of premium live events out of the USA? 
I don't know. I would imagine that it's dollars and cents, right? I would imagine that they've realized that all these international shows are extremely high-grossing shows. That, Because I don't think, after WrestleMania, I don't think they're doing another show in the continental United States until SummerSlam in terms of pay-per-views, in terms of premium live events. But the time zone doesn't matter anymore because you're not making pay-per-view money. It's all been purchased by Peacock already. And I think that these international shows make a lot of money. It makes every premium live event into a huge experience, right? So I think that that's what it is. It's a lot, all one after another, but I, I, I would imagine it's probably the economics of it, probably looks something like that. Jim writes in, Sam, LPB, last professional broadcaster, Hope all is well, and welcome to the left coast, hoping to make the Comedy Store show. We'll buy a ticket, Jim. NotSamLive.com. Get that ticket. I've been a carrying cross guy for a minute, seeing him in Indies. He was clearly a guy that stood out to me as one of those he's got it guys. When you saw him coming out in the ring and the way he held your attention with his work. I can't argue that. He gets that big part of wrestling. He gets that a big part of wrestling is not what happens when you hit someone but in that reaction in the moment after. A stiff punch is fine, but letting it breathe and giving your dance partner a chance to sell it makes it impactful, okay? I say this all to get to, between his promos, work rate, credibility, presentation, and presence, why is he being used as a mid-card job guy? The third most intimidating guy who can be forgotten in a match is the problem that he needs to be seated with someone else. There are two places that you can go with him that could make sense. You could put him up against Bray, but almost nobody comes out better for that. Or could you or would you fold him into the Judgment Day? I think they're hot. I think a little friction between Mommy and Scarlet could be good. Get Dom into programs as the guy who doesn't think he belongs coming off his win at Mania over Ray. What say you? I mean, I think Karrion Cross is an interesting one because I think what it comes down to is people just buying into the stories that he's involved in. And it's like, I don't know that people have done that, right? I, I'm a big Karrion Cross fan, but who, I wouldn't have him beat the Judgment Day. Judgment Day's too hot. I don't, I wouldn't have him beat Bray Wyatt. It's like, he's a destroyer, right? And the problem with a destroyer is that they can only destroy stuff that they are more valuable than. So if you don't try, like, he, he had to destroy Drew McIntyre. But he couldn't destroy Drew McIntyre because he's not more valuable than Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre's got to come out looking strong. So if Drew McIntyre's going to come out looking strong, then how does Karrion Cross come out looking like somebody who destroys people? Well, he doesn't. He's a little different in NXT because in NXT, he just destroyed the whole roster. It's like Goldberg, right? WCW was willing to sacrifice their entire roster to Goldberg, and it made him the most over guy ever. Karrion Cross is a guy that could do that. But WWE is not going to sacrifice their entire roster to him because he's not that guy, right? Yet, who knows? But he's not that guy. He's not Roman. So I think that the the question is, like, does he just go out there and beat up enhancement guys? and kind of rebuild and rebuild. And if that's the case, where does he go after all of it, right? After he beats up a bunch of enhancement guys, where does he go? I don't know. He's a complicated one because it's almost like if he's not destroying people in the main event, who who is he? In the old school, it was a little easier because you'd have these monsters come out and just beat job guys on TV and they could go for months doing that. That's not the world of wrestling anymore, so... I don't know. It's a good question. Julio says, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years and wanted to share a storyline idea I have. Uh-oh. What if a WrestleMania, what if at WrestleMania the match is coming to a close when the Usos and Solo come out, but halfway down the ramp, Jay stops them on the ramp and convinces them not to interfere? This causes a definitive clean victory for Cody and begins a feud between Roman and Jay 
for control of the bloodline. This could stretch on until Backlash, or if they stretch it out until SummerSlam, Jay beats Roman, bringing their original feud full circle. Roman goes off TV for a while, and when he returns, he comes back as a face to make amends with the Usos for the way he treated them. At first, Jimmy and Jay don't want anything to do with it, but Rikishi comes back and mediates a reconciliation between everybody. The bloodline doesn't reform. They just make peace and go their separate ways. You've overthought this, Julio. There's too, because there are too many details. First of all, to, for, for Roman to lose at WrestleMania, only to lose to Jey Uso, it's like, then once Roman comes back, who is he? If Roman loses to Cody, I think he's gone. He disappears. Also, you don't, if Roman loses to Cody, I don't think you want it to have an asterisk. I don't think you want it to be qualified. I don't think you want it to be Cody won because Jay stopped the Usos from interfering. Like, I've been saying this from the beginning. The way it's got to work is the bloodline stuff is happening with the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn thing. And Roman and Cody is Roman and Cody. Roman and Cody is about Dusty and Dusty's kids and and all of that. I Roman disappears after WrestleMania, I think. And there is no bloodline. For at least temporarily. The Usos, because then, because it's like if the Usos lose the tag titles, plus Jay has already turned on Sammy just now. So the idea that if he got if he begins a feud with Roman and Jay, so who's the baby face, Roman or Jay? Because Jay just turned heel. So if Roman's like, I lost because of you, I guess Roman's the heel. So now Jay's a baby face. I don't know what good you do having Jay beat Roman. Because it's not like Jay's going to beat Cody. And now you've got Roman just taking L's. No way, Julio. It's not going to happen. Uh, Manuel, let's get right into it. With all the hype for the Reigns versus Rhodes match, Cody comes out victorious. In the Raw after Mania, we hear legacy theme music. Orton makes an appearance for the first time since injury, not to wrestle, but to introduce the new undisputed Universal Champion Cody Rhodes. It would give the swerve no one expected. But it could build on a new chapter of the bloodline versus legacy? I I guess. You know, Cody tag team? First of all, stop pitching me Randy Orton return storylines. He might return. I would love for him to return the Raw after WrestleMania. I think that would be great. But he's injured. I mean, it's like, it's not like we're waiting for them to have this idea. It's not like Randy Orton's in the back pocket. We don't know what his health is. So no more Randy Orton pitches to me. And I mean, it's also like if Orton returns and I would not play the legacy music because Randy Orton was superior to Cody Rhodes in the legacy. So now we're rebuilding a faction where Randy Orton is the leader, but we've Cody Rhodes just beat Roman Reigns. Cody Rhodes is not joining a team after beating Roman Reigns. He's the man. Plus, if he's teaming with Randy, we're all just sitting there waiting for Randy to turn on him anyway. It's inevitable. That's not going to work for me, brother. Uh, Kyle, Sam, what do you see Roman doing after WrestleMania if Cody beats him? Also, might I add, it is really weird imagining Roman with a title. I'm assuming you mean without a title. Thanks, Sam. I think he's going to go home. I think he's going to go home after WrestleMania. Uh, Shiamo, I think it's about time we turn Drew McIntyre heel. Mm. We tried the babyface run as the top guy, and it was what it was. We have Cody and Seth occupying that role now with Roman and the bloodline potentially done post-SoFi Stadium. Scottish psychopath Drew McIntyre running roughshod as universal champion is the best way forward. Okay, I don't hate it. I don't think he would win the title, though. I think uh, I think that it would be interesting to see him go after Cody. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. The idea that that Roman, I mean that Drew, 
would come off of WrestleMania and go after Cody. They did, they've done such a good job, by the way, building this Intercontinental Championship match. Like, they have made Drew and Sheamus look so equal while maintaining their superiority over everyone else. It's it just it's been such a wonderful build with this Intercontinental match. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I wouldn't have Drew beat set, uh, Cody, but the idea of Drew versus Cody as a program, maybe not right after WrestleMania, but in the future, I don't hate it. Shiamo, I don't hate it. Adam says, can you ever see MJF going into a late night chat shows? Does his extreme personality restrict his ability to appear on such shows? Could his personality ever connect with non-wrestling audiences? I definitely think his personality could connect with non-wrestling audiences. I think MJF should go on some of these late night shows because it would be a really good look for AEW. You know, I don't know if he's being invited or not. I think it'd be a really good look for AEW. And I think that uh, it would be a, a, a the type of thing where MJF would prove that he doesn't need it, right? I think that that's a stigma that MJF has. Everybody thinks that he won't work in certain places because he always has to curse. He always has to be so, like, uh, uh, extreme. That's the word you used, Adam, extreme. He always has to be so extreme. So his personality... I'd like to see him prove people wrong. I'd like to see him go on those shows and show that he can do MJF without, you know, cursing and, and making blowjob gestures and everything else he does. Um, Michael... Mr. Sam Roberts, what's the haps? If uh, Ray versus Dom doesn't happen at Ma WrestleMania because Ray doesn't want to fight his son, then do you think that this would be a good replacement match? Ray and Santos Escobar versus Dom and Damian Priest. Throughout the entire match, it could be teased that Ray and Dom will finally cra clash at the very end of the match where Ray snaps and destroys his son, leading to one of the biggest pops of the weekend. It seems like Ray and Santos are forming a friendship built on respect, and this could be a way to give Santos the torch from Ray after Mania that goes along with the mask. Uh, what do you think if WWE doesn't go with Ray versus Dom? Or with Ray going into the Hall of Fame and most likely retiring, that the match between father and son will be announced closer to WrestleMania, and this is just so they continue the storyline? I mean, uh, you know, I don't... It's the same story as Bret Hart saying he would never wrestle his brother. That's how they built the Bret Hart-Owen Hart match at WrestleMania 10. Bret Hart said, I'll never wrestle my brother. I'll never wrestle my brother. I'll never wrestle my brother. Okay, I'll wrestle my brother. Uh, I still think we're getting Ray versus Dom. But, I mean, I don't hate that. That can't be Ray's last match. Ray's last match has to be a singles match with Dom. You're right about that getting a pop. If, if WrestleMania is not going to be Ray's last match, then that is not a bad idea. And then, and Ray could pin Damian Priest or something like that. It gets Santos on the show. If this is not Ray's last match, then that's not a bad idea. But if this is, for that, that's that can't be Ray's retirement match then. If Ray's going to retire at WrestleMania, it's got to be one-on-one -on -one with Dom and he's got to lose. That's the thing for me. If he's going to wrestle Dom one-on-one, -on -one, I'd like to see him lose personally. But in a tag team scenario, I think if you want him to win, that's probably the best way to do it. Appreciate you all. Thanks for hanging out on the show. If you want to get in on these emails, notsamwrestling at gmail.com is the address. And we will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling.